Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I feel like I don't ask a lot out of life. I, I like to think of myself as a fairly low-maintenance guy. Now, if my wife were here, she might she might tell you a different story, but I like to think of myself as a little bit of a low-maintenance guy. I don't have a lot of big requests. If I was like a musician, I would, you know the rider, like the thing that contracts have where you have to have all green M&Ms, whatever else. I don't feel like my rider in life is very long in terms of the required things I have to be able to show up and operate. I hope that's the case anyway. But there has been a thing that I've sort of asked from college football during this offseason, and it has been amazing how difficult this has been to come by. And yet we finally have some evidence that might be changing. We finally have some evidence that people are doing what they should have been doing over the course of the entirety of these last few months, and I, for one, am very happy about that. Let me give you a reminder here, and we'll kind of tell you what's out there here right now. What we have said is, listen, in the overall conversation about college football, which we love being a part of, even if Georgia didn't exist, you know, if you waved a magic wand, the dogs disappeared, listen, college football would still be my favorite thing, and I'd still love talking about college football. And if you want to have the conversation, and you've probably heard me say this before, if you want to have the conversation of, can Ohio State finally beat Michigan for the first time after losing to them two straight years? That's a really interesting conversation. I'd love to be able to have that. Can Texas take advantage of a final year against weak Big 12 competition before joining the SEC with a really strong quarterback and an overall you know, roster? That's a fun conversation. I'd love to have it. Are you sad about the end of the Big 12? I should say the Pac-12. It seems like that conference is about to disappear. This is sort of the last year of classic Pac-12. Are you somewhat interested in that? As a football fan, of of course I am. So I'm not one of these like sort of meathead Georgia guys. Not that there are a lot of those anyway, but I'm not some meathead Georgia guy that's like only interested in the dogs. Georgia is my favorite team, but college football is my favorite sport. And I'm sort of here for the rest of the sport in a similar fashion to the way in which I'm here for Georgia football on a regular basis. But what I have said that is not just as a UGA partisan, but as someone who has an appreciation for the history that's playing out in front of us and potentially where that could go here this season, that if you want to talk about Michigan or Ohio State or Alabama or LSU or Texas or USC or fill in the blank team, if you want to talk about any of those teams, that's fine, but you got to talk about Georgia first. It's the line that Roman Reigns, the professional wrestler, uses. Acknowledge me. If you want to make a case for someone else winning the national championship, those sort of arguments around college football are fun to have. But acknowledge Georgia first. The way I've said this before is, is if you want to make the case for someone else, you better have a very tangible, logical case against Georgia. In other words, you better be willing to explain why Georgia's not going to win it before you're able to explain why someone else is going to win it. That is the kind of conversation deserving a team like Georgia, which has won the last two national championships. And for those of us who think of us as media types, and by the way, I don't think of myself as a reporter. That's not what I do. I don't think of myself as a journalist. That's not what I'm interested in. But I am in the media, right? So this goes beyond just you know the scribes, the sports writers, things like that. This is anybody who speaks into a microphone, anyone who goes on TV, goes on the radio, exists on the internet. For those of us that are a part of the college football media landscape, I think the important thing for us is both in recognizing that Georgia is on paper right now, the very best team in college football, but also 
beyond that, recognizing that if Georgia wins the national championship here this year, if it, as we say around here, if it will able to go for three in 23, then that is an accomplishment unlike anything this sport has ever seen. And it's amazing to me how slow it has been for some folks to kind of come to that realization that what Georgia has been able to do the last couple of years sets itself up for something unprecedented here this year. That back-to-back national championships in and of itself is an amazing accomplishment, but it's not uh, it's not necessarily a historic accomplishment. Alabama did it last decade. You know, we've seen Nebraska. You, you can go back and cite examples of teams that have won back-to-back national championships. But Georgia is also favored to now win a third straight national championship, and that's where the historic nature of the conversation really, really changes. And finally, it would appear that someone's recognizing this to the to the degree to which they should. His name is Dennis Dodd. He is a writer for CBSSports.com. And Dennis had a piece up this week where he looked at the top storylines of the upcoming season. And right there at the very top of the list, exactly where it should be, was the situation for Georgia and its chance to win a third straight national championship. And Dodd sums it up quite succinctly exactly what this might mean if Georgia is able to do this. And I love the way that he says this so much so that I'm going to read it to you. Let me show you here on the screen a sentence from Dodd. These Bulldogs, Dennis says, are on the brink of completing the greatest run of all time. That's it. That is what's at stake for Georgia here this year. If Georgia wins a national championship this season, it will be the greatest run of all time. Now, Bama fans, I don't want to hear it. If Georgia wins a third straight national championship, the greatest run of all time. Florida State fan from the 90s, top five, this, top five, that, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to hear it. If Georgia wins a national championship this year, three straight national championships in this era, that would be the greatest run of all time. So let me approach this idea from a couple of different vantage points here for a moment. First of all, for those of us who are Georgia fans, and as I've said before, you know, we like arguing, right? That's how we pass the time between now and when the season begins, the long off season. Our sport has the longest off season, so therefore we spend that time during the off season arguing about stuff. How'd you like to have the ultimate trump card? How would you like to have the ultimate checkmate in any argument about anything ever? For all that you've heard over the course of your lifetime, no matter how long your lifetime has been, about 1980 this or whatever that or whatever that, how would you like to have the ultimate checkmate in any discussion like this forever going forward? That my team put together the greatest run of all time. And I believe that what Dennis Dodd describes there would be true. Now, it hasn't happened yet. Two straight national championships is not enough to be that. Two straight national championships is really, 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 really good. Three straight national championships is a an achievement without a rival. It is an achievement without a comparative performance. There, there's nothing out there that would be like three straight national championships. That means if Georgia can pull this off, if Georgia can go for three and 23, we joke all the time about Georgia fans being tough to take. Let me tell you something. Georgia fans will no longer just be tough to take. Georgia fans will be unable to be argued with. Folks may really finally leave you alone. Folks may finally sort of step back and truly bend the knee as probably they should have all along anyway. If you're able to go out there and watch your team go for three and 23, it's one of the reasons why the stakes are so high for this upcoming season because the level of history that you would have on your side would be unlike anything. And listen, 
there are some sports where like three straight would not mean quite as much. Like if you care about baseball over the course of the long history of Major League Baseball, there have been a handful of teams that won three straight World Series, right? So like three straight championships in and of itself is not necessarily the end all be all. We've seen uh, a few NBA teams in my lifetime, right? Win three straight. Lakers did early 2000s. Bulls did it twice, two different times. So in some sports, three straight doesn't quite mean the same thing because it does happen from time to time. Uh, but in college football, it means a lot more because just given the overall parity in the sport, and I know sometimes it doesn't seem like college football has parity, but when you've got so many teams across even just the Power 5 landscape to play, it's more opportunities to create championship-type teams. So from that standpoint, there possibly is more parity in college football than there is in professional sports, just given the fact that professional sports typically only have about 30 teams in the league. So three straight championships doesn't mean the same thing in NBA, Major League Baseball. We kind of sometimes see that. But it means a ton in college football, and it would be an achievement unlike any other. And if you're a Georgia fan, you ought to you, you ought to you ought to have just an insatiable appetite for that opportunity because it gives you unprecedented power to win any argument you have forever going forward until somebody else does this. And that to me is a really valuable thing. But and I can already hear the retorts to this. Ah, ba, be careful. Ah, ba, you know, calm down here. Let's not get out in front of ourselves here a little bit because there is still the remnants of the very old, tired, stale notion of rat poison. That well, if they're praising you like this, if if someone like Dennis Dodds talking about you potentially going on the greatest run of all time, then that's somehow a dangerous thing and somehow the kind of thing that stands in George's way. Kirby Smart himself has talked about complacency, of course. But here's what I'm here to tell you. This is not about complacency, in other words, thinking you've already arrived. This is about massive focus for what you are able to achieve. Like, there is a book that has a lot of national champions in it, and George is in it right now. But you want a book that's only got one page, only got one team on it? That's what Georgia can do here this year. So talking about the idea of a third straight national championship shouldn't breed complacency. It should breed an intensity of focus unlike anything ever before because you get a chance to achieve unlike anything ever before. So rat poison, I think, the old notion that if they say something too good about you, it's overall bad for you. I don't think that's got any place in this discussion for that reason. And beyond that, I'd say this as well, is that I think this Georgia team is also sort of past that too. You know, I I think rat poison is sort of a tired, stale, out of fashion idea, period. But I think this Georgia team in particular is just sort of motivated by different things. It's not motivated by having guys like me pat them on the back. Uh, If you listen to the Georgia coaches, what it's motivated by is showing up every day and working as hard as you possibly can with the unspoken reminder that if you don't, someone else in this roster probably is, and that's the guy who's going to get the spot that you wish you had for yourself. And I thought this was very well described by Georgia co-defensive coordinator Glenn Schumann when he spoke to the uh, media here this week. Schumann's a guy we obviously really like, and he's a guy that's coming into his own as a coach, and the way in which he speaks on behalf of this Georgia defense is perhaps maybe the best example of just how true that is. And one of the things that Schumann talked about was, in light of the fact that Georgia has won two straight national championships, in light of the fact that it could achieve, as Dennis Dodd, I believe, correctly calls, the greatest run of all time, How do you maintain that standard, knowing that you've gotten this far on this journey? How do you finish it off here, at least the next chapter of that, by winning a third straight national championship? How do you maintain that standard? I thought Schumann's answer to that question earlier this week was outstanding. This is what Glenn had to say. The thing about a standard is that once you set it, you have to uphold it every single day. And so we go out to practice today. We're not worried about the results that are going to come when we get to play our opponents this fall. 
we're worried about how can we uphold the standard today. We constantly measure things to hold guys accountable in terms of our results as a team defense in the prior day's practice. We show it to them when we fell short, okay, then we have to be accountable to that and demand that we do better the next day. We, we chart things in terms of uh, individual measures of, of things that really matter to playing great defense. You know, the effort that you play with, you have to out-hustle people ultimately to play defense. The physicality you play with, you have to out-hit people to play defense at a high level. And your competitive nature, you have to out-compete people. So the number one way we're going to uphold the standard, we're going to measure, did we out-hit people? Did we out-hustle people? Did we out-compete people? And if we do that, you're successful playing defense at just about any level of football. Quick question to sum all this up. Does that sound like a coach who leads a unit likely to be tripped up by rat poison? Does that sound like a coach who leads a unit, the Georgia defense, likely to succumb to the notion of complacency or anything like that? No, what that sounds like to me is a coach who leads a portion of a football team who could be fully capable of doing what Dennis Dodd at CBS Sports described there a moment ago completing a run unlike anything we've ever seen in what is essentially the modern version of college football history, dating back to the start of the AP poll and things along those lines. It is a special level of history, and it would be inappropriate not to acknowledge it. Y'all, it would be inappropriate not to appreciate it. We've seen good football teams before. We've seen back-to-back national champions. We've seen multi-time champions in the college football playoff era. Clemson won uh, two titles over the course of a three-year span. So we've seen stuff before that's similar to what Georgia's done here thus far. But we're led to believe that Georgia might only just be getting started. And there could be truly a go for three in 23 national championship on tap for these dogs here this year. And if that happens, truly history will have been made. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. Hello to you. Happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us across all platforms, video, podcast, radio, just a lot of ways to connect. Thanks to you for doing so, whichever one of those you choose to use, including, by the way, 945 on dognation.com, the Dog Nation app there as well. First and 15, special content. Before we get going anywhere else, we give that to the folks who show up to our own platform because that's what the business folks like. So show up here at dognation.com or on the Dog Nation app. We'll give you a little bit of extra content just as a way of saying thank you to all of that. And by the way, I also say thank you there as well for your acknowledgement of our great sponsors, including our sponsor for today, our friends at Merriweather and Tharp. Now listen, I realize that you sort of hope you don't need Merriweather and Tharp. I, I do understand that. You sort of hope that maybe that's a call I don't ever have to make. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Whether you need this or not, the truth is someone you know in your life will probably kind of bump into a divorce situation at some point in time. You understand that, right? Statistically speaking, divorce is just a fact of life for a large portion of an audience the size of ours. So I hope that you don't ever need to make this call either. I really, really do. I hope that's not something you ever need to do. But if it is, I'm going to tell you right now, I believe there'll be a strong advocate for you. And maybe... If you don't need to make this call yourself, you will remember what I have said before. And I think sometimes when you have a conversation, you're talking to a buddy at a bar or you're talking to a, you know, a, a friend at brunch or whatever, whatever it is that people do, you're having that conversation and the word divorce comes up. You sort of don't know what to say back sometimes. Well, this is something you can say back of if this is what you feel like is a reality, if this is the kind of thing that you feel like you have to go through, then... 
I think maybe making sure you've got a strong advocate by your side might be the best way to get through it. You've heard me say that to you before. That's something you can say to somebody else if you hear them going through that situation. That's what my friends at Meriwether and Tharp are all about. Y'all, I couldn't sit here, make these recommendations, talk to you about this as candidly as I do if I didn't truly believe it. And I have seen the work they've done. I've heard personal testimonies of the work they've done for people who kind of find themselves going through that divorce process. A scary and confusing time, but a better future on their horizon because they've taken the guidance that Meriwether and Tharp provide. So please find them online. It's the theatlantadivorceteam.com, theatlantadivorceteam.com. And based on all the free resources they have there on the website, you will find out what I've been telling you for years, that Meriwether and Tharp is truly your source for Georgia divorce. So find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com. We are so busy here today. That includes tonight on the Dog Nation video channels. We'll tell you more about that before we're done. Special guests today before we're done there as well. We'll welcome in for the first time in a while here, Tony Barnhart onto the program, Mr. College Football himself. That'll be a cool thing to do prior to our conclusion. Terrence Edwards here in a minute there also. I've got some Georgia quarterback stuff here coming up in about 60 seconds there, too. So that's going to be a fun conversation. But prior to that, let me give you the latest announcement here for our Kroger Celebrating Teachers winner. We've had a great week rolling off these names each day of the week. Kroger loves celebrating teachers. We get back to school, and we are so proud here on Dog Nation Daily. They use our platform as a way of doing all of that. So let's celebrate today's winner. It's Mary Elizabeth O'Neill. Shane uh, nominated uh, Mary Elizabeth here, so we're so happy for Shane doing that. Mary's in her 13th year of teaching, taught four years at Pierce County High School, a great high school football program, by the way. Uh, actually, and she taught Stetson Bennett his freshman year. How about this? So so Mary actually taught Stetson Bennett when Stetson was a freshman, so uh, did a great job there, obviously, and also taught with uh, Georgia Cyber Academy for eight years there as well and with Brantley County High School this year too. Uh, so she actually graduated herself from Brantley High Salutatorian, Waycross College, and finished up there at Valdosta State, one of the great universities here in our uh, state. Also wonderful mother, wife, and teacher. And it's also important to remember, one of the reasons why we celebrate these teachers the way that we do is because they're doing these great things in the classroom, but that doesn't change the task at home, right? Good mothers, good fathers, good husbands, good wives, you know, taking care of business at home while also taking care of our kids while they're at school. And that's why we love celebrating these teachers and uh, why we're so happy to celebrate Mary today, uh, obviously because of the great work she's doing, but also kind of the cool add-on to that, the fact that she actually taught Stetson Bennett. So that's a really cool thing. So Mary, congratulations to you. You get a great collection of gift cards coming your way, courtesy of our friends at Kroger. And Shane, thank you for making the nomination. We'll make you a uh, winner today, too, for doing that. All right, so good stuff there. Terrence Edwards here in a moment. For now, though, let's go around the doghouse. Presented today by ServPro. And let me give you a nickels worth of free business advice here for a moment if you're trying to start a business and this is not in read this is this is content just give me a second i'll get there if you're starting a business everybody wants their product or their service to be better than the competition but the truth is is that better is somehow kind of in the eye of the beholder a little bit and better is a very difficult target to actually hit that well, i'm going to be better than better than the competition but better is a very nondescript thing that oftentimes doesn't leave you aiming at anything specific enough. Instead, what I would rather be if I'm in business, you know, some sort of thing like that, tell me how you're different, right? Different is just a better target than better because different is easier to hit. What you hope is, is the things that make you different 
in the eyes of the audience, in the eyes of the marketplace, make your product or service better. But different is the distinction that gives you a chance to succeed. That's just a nickel's worth of free advice. Do with that what you will. Now, there is a obvious comparison with that and Georgia football there too, because we would say there are a lot of things that make Georgia football different than its competition. And the results of the last two years would lead us to believe that the things that make Georgia different also make it better. They are, after all, you may have heard, uh, two-time national champions here. And another example may be out there of just how different Georgia football is right now than the teams that it's competing with. Look at maybe the most important position of all on the field, the quarterback spot. Georgia right now is in the battle where it's going to try to find its quarterback for the 2023 season and the trio of guys are in that competition we're led to believe that Carson Beck's probably the leader uh Brock Vandergriff the next most seasoned guy in that quarterback situation he may be the number two and the guy that's also making a push but it's been here just a little less long is uh Gunnar Stockton uh all three of these guys were players that Georgia recruited out of high school, and all three of these guys have now been at Georgia for at least a year, if not longer than that. They are not transfers. They've never transferred. Uh, they haven't transferred from anywhere else so far. They haven't shown much of a desire to transfer to anywhere else. They are guys who have just stayed at Georgia, learned the system, participated in the culture, and now they're competing to be the next starting quarterback at UGA. And as we watch this play out over the course of the next couple of weeks during practice before the season begins, I just think it's important to acknowledge just how different that makes Georgia and the teams it's competing with. And this perhaps is another example why Georgia's differences also make it better. Let me give you a stat here that kind of explains this. Our friends over 24-7 Sports put this out. When you look at the landscape across college football right now, the idea that Georgia's got three quarterbacks, none of which are transfers, that makes Georgia quite, quite different than at least the majority of teams in college football here right now. 24-7 Sports showing us that um, they call it the transfer portal era of college football. Over 60%, they say, of the projected Power 5 starting quarterbacks here this year are transfers. Chris Hummer, the writer, letting us know that. So the majority, more than 60% of starting quarterbacks this year in Power 5 are expected to be transfer players, yet all three of Georgia's quarterbacks are not transfers. Now that in itself is really interesting, but I think what makes this a little bit more compelling, possibly not to dispute the stuff from 24-7 sports there, but this idea that in this particular year, we're in the age of transfer quarterbacks. I'd also say this, that perhaps as big a story, if not a bigger story for this year, is not the proliferation of transfer quarterbacks, but it's actually kind of who didn't transfer, right? I mean, Drake May supposedly got a seven-figure offer to leave North Carolina to come to the SEC. May himself said that a couple of weeks ago, but he didn't leave. You know, Grayson McCall didn't leave Coastal Carolina. McCall playing for a better team could have been a pretty big deal. The two-lane quarterback didn't leave over the course of the offseason. There had been some rumors at one point in time he might go to Florida. He stays the green wave. Uh, Tulane was in the preseason top 25 after obviously being one of the darlings of bowl season a year ago. You can cite other examples where as big a story as the fact there are so many transfer quarterbacks is that some of the best quarterbacks who maybe could have been this year's version of Caleb Williams, a guy who goes to a new team and makes that team kind of an instant contender, at least at first blush, a lot of those guys didn't go anywhere. So the fact that Georgia has kept Carson Beck for as long as it has, has kept Brock Vandegrift, even after a spring in which a lot of folks were kind of assuming that, that Beck may have ascended into the role of starter, 
that obviously Gunnar Stockton shows no signs of exiting this competition anytime soon. The fact that George is able to bring in touted quarterback recruits, keep them in the program for multiple years, that really does allow Georgia to stand out because teams are so desperate for quarterback that more than half of them, far more than half of them, are going to the portal for their starter. And in a few cases, teams that were maybe hopeful to get a great high-level quarterback from the transfer portal, they didn't get that guy because that guy didn't enter into the transfer portal. And so here you have Georgia saying, we don't need to play that game right now because we are recruiting and holding on to quarterbacks coming out of high school. That is a very valuable commodity for UGA. So keep this in mind here today. Later on, we'll hear from Georgia offensive coordinator Mike Bobo. One of the things that Bobo is going to talk about in in this press conference that he's going to do today is the state of this Georgia quarterback competition involving Beck and Vandegrift and uh, Stockton there as well. We'll hear more from Kirby Smart on this on Saturday. Some of the uh, more well-heeled among us will also be a part of the uh, scrimmage there inside Sanford Stadium on Saturday. Some of the McGill donors, things like that, will be invited to be a part of that. Rumor stuff will come flying in on all this. And so by the time this week is done, we're going to have more insight into where things actually stand with the Georgia quarterback competition. Guys who have stayed here, guys who've invested time in all of this, making Georgia different than other programs. And I'm reminded of something that former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm said on Friday, that when Bobo talks today, if someone's doing well in this competition, whether it's Beck, the perceived leader, or a guy like Vandegrift who's trying to close that gap, Uh, Kirby Smart when he talks on Saturday much the same way that if there is something positive to be said about any of these quarterbacks the odds are the Georgia coaches Bobo today Kirby on Saturday they might not withhold that as much as you might think they might want to when it comes to quarterback they may not always keep their cards as close to the vest as you might think and perhaps according to Jake Fromm there may be a reason from time to time that Kirby Smart opens up and gives you a little bit more perhaps even words of praise if he thinks they're warranted for reasons that are understood well by Smart that's what Jake Fromm told us last week let me give you a reminder right now for the most part, I mean, in my opinion, I think uh, Kirby, for a lot of things, is an open book. Uh, we'll call things as he sees it, um, you know, even to uh, the media space as well. Um, and then also, too, sometimes he will throw things out there in the media to see how his players react to hearing what he said, if that makes sense. Hmm. Um, you know, like, hey, if, if someone, you know, is getting praised, hey, how is he going to handle that? Um, because you know that's a that, that would be an indicator of how he would handle it throughout the season um, after a good game or something. You know, how is he going to handle it and go and respond the next week um, and play and prepare for the next week's game? So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things um, that that uh, coach thinks about and does and says uh, for particular reasons. And you know, sometimes sometimes we figure things out. And sometimes we'll never know. So let's keep that in mind. The Georgia quarterbacks have all stuck around. They have chosen to participate in this competition. They haven't entered the transfer portal the way so many of their brethren have. 24-7 Sports reported that. And now we'll find out where things are going to shake out. And as Jake Fromm says, the odds are Mike Bobo, Kirby Smart, they may be pretty candid in coming days about exactly where things stand 
for this quarterback situation as we get ready for the 2023 season. That is Around the Doghouse. It is presented today by our friends at ServPro. And, of course, if you are dealing with a situation where you see damage to your home caused by fire, water intrusion, something like that, it's one of the most disappointing scenarios you can probably face as a homeowner because you're kind of left to wonder, how can this ever be put back together again? How can we ever get this back to the way that it's supposed to be? Well, that's where our friends at ServPro step in here. Their restoration specialists can clean your mess up, put it all back together, and leave it like it never even happened. That's what ServPro is famous for. And each franchise independently owned and operated there as well so you can trust them to take great care of you because their business relies on your satisfaction and they've been satisfying people for a very long time so if you've got your own home or a commercial property of some sort of rental property that's dealing with damage caused by fire or water intrusion or something along those lines let the restoration specialist from ServPro do great work for you. I want you to find them online. It's ServPro.com, S-E-R-V, ServPro.com for a lot more on that. And they can get you cleaned up like it never even happened. We're so happy to have ServPro as a part of Around the Doghouse here today. All right, before we are done, reminder about a fun show coming up on Dog Nation tonight. We will give you that. Uh, that's good stuff. We uh, got off to a great start last week. It continues here this week. We'll do that. Then also Mr. College Football Tony Barnhart stopping by there as well. But for now, everything about these dogs as they roll through uh, camp, getting ready for the big season on the way. Let's talk to an expert who understands it all so, so well. It's former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. I am late getting to Terrence Edwards, so I apologize for that. I want to jump right into it and make good use of his time. Terrence, I was talking about quarterbacks before you joined us. We're going to hear today from offensive coordinator Mike Bobo. Obviously, Saturday we'll hear again from Kirby Smart after a really pretty pivotal scrimmage inside Sanford Stadium. And my guess is we'll hear some sort of candid remarks, as we were saying a minute ago, you know, from both these coaches about kind of where things stand. Is Beck still the clear leader? Is Vandergriff closing that gap, if there even indeed was a gap? I think we're about to start finding some of that kind of stuff out. What do you expect to hear and what do you expect to kind of see from the quarterback situation at this point in the uh, fall camp period here? What's your expectation for quarterback right now? We saw it in this spring game. I think Beck is uh, by far right now the better quarterback, the quarterback that understands the offense the best, even though we're kind of changing to Mike Bobo philosophy. I think determination, uh, terminology, I'm sorry, will stay the same. So we still have, he have a good grasp on what they're trying to do offensively. And what do I think we're going to hear after that? Nothing. I don't think we'll hear anything. I don't think there's anything that's going to come out of the scrimmage from uh, Kirby Smart, anybody else that lead us to believe that one way or the other. Uh, I don't think that's the, the the way that any coaches roll. You're not going to get anything out of uh, Nick Saban, and I don't think you're going to get much out of Kirby Smart. I think my concern about that, that ends up being true, is you know you go back and look at kind of recent history under Kirby. Oftentimes, no news sort of turns out not to be good news. We didn't hear much before the 2020 season. Come to find out, Georgia had himself a pretty messy situation at quarterback there for a while. Uh, you know, back in 2021, when JT was dealing with injury prior to the UAB game, we didn't hear much about that either. That was kind of a very secretive process. And come to find out, you know, 
whatever concerns existed there was sort of enough to kind of take him out of the starting role because you're led to believe maybe Georgia just wasn't quite so sure they could depend on him to be healthy. That when you look through the years under Kirby Smart, when there is no news coming out, oftentimes that absence of news does not mean good news for the program. So I guess I have to say, I sort of hope you're wrong about that. I sort of hope we do hear, you know, something for the positive because we don't hear much of anything that maybe I guess you'd be left to be concerned that maybe no one's stepping up to the degree in which they should. I mean, that's the the way to look at it, but just historically, just any college program, not Georgia alone, not exclusively for those that you don't try to give the opponents that you play a lot of uh, newsworthy notes. You don't try to get anyone. You try to keep everything in-house, good or bad. You try to keep it in-house. That's for uh, the coaches and the players to – Kind of not read what's going on in the paper, especially at that quarterback position. Uh, that we all know that's a delicate position, and I can understand your your point of view. Uh, but just being around coaches, professional high school, um, you just try to keep that under wraps as much as possible. And I don't believe, good or bad, there's going to be much details uh, that Kirk is going to give us. I mean, if he give us that he went. 10 for 15, 200 yards, or if he went through three interceptions, I think that's going to stay in-house and let everyone speculate uh, what's going on inside the program. I said this a little earlier this week. You mentioned Mike Bobo. I think the maybe biggest question for Georgia to answer right now is how Bobo steps in as a replacement for Todd Monk. And now my belief is he'll probably do pretty well. I think the Bobo is actually uh, pretty good here the first time around. But you look at the overall point total, Terrence, you know, 50 in the SEC championship, 40-plus in the uh, Peach Bowl, 65, of course, in the national championship game. That's a massive performance in three postseason games for Georgia a year ago. And you look at the dramatic improvement that the Todd Munkin offenses showed the three years that he was here, better than really anything on a single-season basis prior to that, that I don't think there's any doubt that Munkin does leave big shoes to fill. We're going to hear from Mike Bobo here today and the discussion about what he does to maintain the – unprecedented level of offensive success that Georgia enjoyed while Munkin was here you know Terrence I do have to say I think that's a really big question do you agree with that for for this upcoming season how Bobo steps in and keeps the machine rolling that has been the Georgia offense these last couple of years yes I think real or fake uh however you want to look at Bobo the first time around I thought he did a uh, a great job we averaged a lot of points uh, just I just don't think both sides of the, of the ball was equal at that time, um, he didn't have the, the defense or the talent that we have right now. Uh, so I, it, it, it's, it's some pressure on, on Coach Bobo to come in and, and keep this thing going. And I can tell you this, I, I, I saw B-Match uh, about a month ago, and we were just sitting there talking, and um, he was just sitting there talking about Bobo and Monk, and he said Bobo is in his top five of offensive coaches that he's coached wow. with. Joe Moorhead out in Oregon was – one of the better play callers that he's been around. He said Todd Monken was definitely one of the, the better play callers. And he said Mike Bobo is right there right along with him. So with with BMAC telling me that, with the connections that I do have with Mike and understand his football acumen and what he what he did the first time. Even though, you know, a lot of people, you know, just wasn't too impressed I was. We we did a lot of great things. Just the talent level was not the same as now, especially on the defense side of the ball. So you, you, you take that talent with his explosive offenses that he's been prone to have, even with Aaron Murray. I mean, you look at Aaron Murray, he is the all-time leading passer, uh, and he was up under Mike Bolo. So just 
give that same type of offense with the defense they have. And I do expect us, our offense to continue to roll and in the passing game maybe even better. Uh, it's an interesting uh, comparison to make there. That's a lot of fun to think about. I want to ask you about this because Georgia fans are really talking about this right now. And, you know, we've got some confirmation here based on what's been seen at Georgia practice, based on what's been reported, you know, various places that Kendall Milton, the Georgia running back, is kind of dealing with a hamstring injury. Obviously, you know, that took him off the field for spring practice this past year and or should say this past spring. And you know, kind of one of those things has been an issue for him now for multiple years there at UGA. And I think some people are kind of trying to make sense of this right now. I've told our audience I'm still a believer that Kendall can't have a really big year for Georgia, that I haven't heard anything yet that can't be shaken off and that he can't still be a very productive player in what's kind of really supposed to be his showcase year. And at the same time, you know, I do get why this is a conversation because it has been one of those things that's been kind of a multi-year story here for right now. As someone who knows the game, knows injuries, knows taking care of your body, knows all that kind of stuff, like, what do you make of the fact that the Milton hamstring thing is still a topic now in what's supposed to be the big year for Kendall at UGA? It's, I, I can tell you this. I can tell you, we all know uh, Ron, Ron Corson is the GOAT at, at George. He, he is the best in the Something is chronically going on with this hamstring if Ron Corson cannot stop that or the strength conditioning can stop that. So, that's, that's my first thought. And I, I just look at the schedule, and if he's out for the first few games and the schedule dictates that it's not great opponents, we can we can afford to hold him out because we are luxury of having depth at that position. But I'm, I'm with you. I was looking for Kendall to be the guy, be, be the main ball carrier this year. Um, I just assumed that he's going to be injury-free. It's his time to shine. Um, but – one thing we do have is we have a stable of running backs that can come in and compete, uh, Branson Robinson, uh, Andrew Paul. So we have a lot of backs there. And, you know, it's, it's not a knock on the backs, but I think that's the easiest, easiest position to translate into college football. And uh, we have some capable guys that we, we've recruited. So not to worry about that position, but I would definitely love to see Kendall have a healthy year because I think he is a – such a great talent. So this is one of those things as, you know, not being a former player, I, I guess I just don't know. When a hamstring thing like this kind of comes around, is this solely a product of bad luck? Is there something either the training staff or the player himself can do to prevent that? Like how much of this is the kind of thing that you can play defense against, so to speak, and how much of this is just just a series of bad luck for a guy like Kendall? I think there's a lot of times it's bad luck because uh, we have one of the best uh, strength and conditioning. We have one of the best medical teams out there. So he, this can't be on them in my opinion. I think it's bad luck because hamstrings, just like growing, which I had, can feel great. And it can feel great for a few weeks, and you continue to do your rehab, your strengthening, and it just goes again. So I just hope Kendall can get past this in, in training camp and Ron Corson and the strength and condition continue to strengthen all his limbs, his both hand strength, his quads, his glutes, uh, his lower back, which is all those are connected. Um, and we can see him for a full season, uh, especially for the, the, the stretch run when the SEC play comes. We definitely need a, a talent like his like him to help us win games. I want to be respectful of your time, so let me squeeze in one more before we let you go. Uh, did you see, and I know like the watch lists are not, you know, official type thing or whatever but did you see where 
Uh, Brock Bowers on the watch list for the Belitnikoff Award, nation's top wide receiver. Like, how much fun would it be if that were to actually happen? If 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 Bowers has the kind of year we think that he does, a guy who at one point in time won the Mackey Award as the top tight end could also be honored as kind of like the best pass catcher overall, winning the Belitnikoff Award like that. It, it's been really fun this summer, Terrence, to see Bowers get the attention that I believe he deserves. He doesn't want it, but he deserves getting it. And I was. Even if it's not all that important, I was kind of glad to see the Bolitnikov Award kind of give him a little bit of a nod earlier this week. I, I, you know, I was a little thrown back a little bit because, like, well, the tight end have their own award. Why is the greatest tight end I've ever seen in Georgia is coming over here trying to steal the, 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 the receivers award? So <laughs> I was a little like, oh, Brock, stay in your lane over there now. You can have the Mackey Award. Let, let, the, let the receivers have their own award. <laughs> own award. But, no. He deserves it. He, I mean, if if it's considered the best pass catcher, catcher, you know, with him and Morris and Harrison Jr. in my mind are the two best pass catchers right now, and it's not limited to just being a tight end. But I was like, oh, you got the Mackey Award over there now. You can't win both. What if they gave him both? So I had a little fun with it, but he he deserves it. Terrence, great stuff. Remind folks that they can find the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy online. You can find me on all social media platforms at Terrence that was wide receiver cat. Terrence, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So Terrence says, hey, how come you guys are uh, wanting to steal the uh, thunder from the wide receivers for a guy like uh, Brock Bowers? That's very funny. I think, I think the response to that might be, if Bowers had beef with the Mackey Award, I think he'd have every right to do that, right? Because remember – you know, a couple of years ago, they didn't even nominate him as a finalist, but he had 13 touchdowns. So if he wanted to say, hey, listen, this year I'm only going after the Blitnikoff. I'm not going after the Mackey Award anymore because you guys shortchanged me in the past. He might be well within his rights uh, to do that. Either way, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Remind you, fun things going on with Royal Caribbean, including the Dog Nation cruise there as well. We hear from people all the time uh, who continue each week now to be booking that Dog Nation cruise, being on board, allure of the seas with us coming up in April. That's April of 2024, next spring. Uh, it's April 22nd through the 26th, leaving out of Port Canaveral, going to Nassau in the Bahamas and Perfect Day Coco Cay. Because if I'm sailing, I'm sailing to Perfect Day Coco Cay. That's just the way that is. It's my probably my favorite place in the world. Always have fun there. Occasionally have too much fun, but it's always, always a great time. So if we want to have you on board to have a great time with us. Bigger and better than it's ever been before online, royaldogs.com for a lot more on that. We're going to get Tony Barnhart here coming up in just a couple of minutes let me do a couple of quick sec stories before we get there on that uh speaking of cbssports.com we talked about them off the top of the show another fun story that i saw at cbs sports the other day was tom fornelli the rider looking at the teams that could so-called be chaos teams here for this upcoming season and two of the sec teams that tom cited were both auburn and Florida. and tom's reason for citing this in the particular piece are the kinds of teams that both Auburn and Florida get a chance to play. And if you want to look at just percentage of opponents who are kind of in the top 20 of national championship odds and things like that, both Auburn and Florida are kind of right there on that. And while I don't think clearly neither Auburn or Florida is good enough to be in the college ball playoff conversation, could one of these teams potentially be good enough to ruin someone else's playoff chances? I think there's a possibility that could indeed be the case certainly in the case of Auburn who I think is probably on paper better than Florida but once again when you look at Florida who this year gets to play Utah gets to play in LSU we'll count Georgia here on this we'll count Tennessee here on this 
you know, Billy Napier is a coach that needs a win. Billy Napier is a coach that that needs some sort of trophy to put on the wall for the Gators here this year. And oftentimes a tough schedule is a problem as it relates to some of that kind of stuff. But in the case of Billy Napier, the the schedule and the types of good teams with playoff aspirations that Florida gets a chance to play, that could also work to be the kind of thing where he gets the sort of win that kind of quiets some of the anxiety around Florida fans and perhaps gives him a chance to sort of live on for 24 2024 and perhaps beyond so interesting stuff there from Tom Fernelli looking at both Auburn Florida and their chances of maybe ruining someone else's playoff possibilities in the case of Auburn you've heard me say this before uh, I also think that they very much are the kind of team that could pull an upset here this year very much the kind of team that could get somebody before it's all said and done. You've seen their over-under total somewhere in the neighborhood of, what, seven, six and a half some places, maybe as high as seven and a half, maybe somewhere else. Uh, either way, I think that I think this is an Auburn team this year that can go eight and four. I do have a successful first year with Hugh Freak. So I guess from that standpoint, I probably agree with Tom Fernelli there on that. Uh, I'll also mention this there, too. You may have seen some reporting about Texas A&M and its NIL fund. This is a little bit confusing Texas A&M is not shutting down its NIL operation. They are shutting down a particular NIL fund. And what this is related to is you may have seen like a memo from the IRS the other day about uh, like 5013C status basically and like using a donation NIL fund as a tax deductible type situation. The IRS said, no, you're not going to do that. And so some of these funds that were kind of sort of set up to take NIL payments as old school donations where you got some tax benefits for that. Uh, schools like Texas A&M or South saying, okay, we got to rethink all of this. And there's going to be more of that conversation that comes out there. So Texas A&M is not shutting down NIL, but they are shutting down that particular fund. And speaking of shutting things down, we'll go ahead and bring our music down and shut down our SEC through for now. We were going to do some other stories, but instead, let's talk to Mr. College Football himself, Tony Barnhart here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp today. Always a fun time to have Tony on the show, and we certainly appreciate that. Tony, hope you've had a good summer. I know you've been traveling around, speaking to touchdown clubs and things like that. That it is always a signal that the season is basically here. So uh, we're happy to have you out there doing all that kind of stuff and here talking some college football with us here today day too well thank you brandon it's yeah it's you know it's you know we're getting close i've been to a couple of trips to alabama one in north carolina we'll be going down to mobile so and people are people are very excited about this season because this is going to be a this is going to be a very interesting yeah. season uh particularly when you consider the fact that what's all the change that's coming next season yeah, in a lot of ways, this sort of feels like the end of an era in many ways. Playoff change coming in 2024, SEC change coming in 2024, and then beyond that, 2025, whatnot, you've got even more change. Some of that maybe we haven't even fully anticipated yet, and we'll obviously touch on some of that before we're done here. And But while all this sort of wildness happens, you know, Georgia just keeps right on sailing, two-time national champions, an opportunity to win a third here this year. I think it's probably some comfort for UGA fans. They're not a participant in some of the chaos that seems to exist other places. But, you know, Tony, I think people are sort of finally now start to understand just how historic a feat it would be if Georgia were to win it all again. We've never seen anything like it. Um, do you think that the, I guess, the context has been properly established yet of of just how significant it would be if Georgia in this era of intense competition were to be able to win a third straight national championship? Well, it's interesting. I was with... <laughs> I was with uh, 
at a function with Coach Steve Spurrier, and we talked. We got to talking about that. He said, "I said, he said, he said you think Georgia can do it?" I said, "Yeah, I think they can do it." But you know, it's it's hard to win one. It's almost impossible to win two in a row, and put the three in a row. The, the, the only historical reference we have is 1936 in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, the odds are very much against you because the odds would be against anybody. But uh, Georgia, I think everybody understands that Georgia has – what I have said every place I've gone, I said, look, can Georgia do it? Yes, they can do it because they have the talent to win another national championship. Doesn't mean they will. A lot of great talented teams. But uh, – uh, Miami in 02. They had won the national championship in 01, and they yeah. had a great, great football team, but uh, things didn't fall into place against Ohio State. So I think the context is there, Brandon, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun watching them. Please tell it. Uh, please tell us, because I know our audience wants this to be true, that Coach Burrier is so disappointed about the possibility of Georgia winning three straight national championships. It's something that he wasn't able to do during his career. Please tell us that he is certainly worried that that might become reality, because I think Georgia fans would be comforted <laughs> to know that. I, I don't think he was worried about it, but he, we, we did find it an interesting topic of discussion. So. Uh, good to know there, I guess. Uh, as far as the rest of the SEC goes, you know, I thought it was interesting the coaches poll had Tennessee 10th because, I mean, that's certainly a little bit higher than where I have them right now, just given the changeover quarterback, you know, given the fact that some of the way too early polls probably had them more in the neighborhood of like, say, 15th. I think that's probably a little bit more realistic than the uh, top 10 that the coaches poll had them at. And I also think the coaches poll kind of got it wrong with Alabama ahead of LSU. For the life of me, I don't quite know what has happened over the course of the last 12 months to make Alabama on paper better than LSU, a team that beat it last season, other than the fact that, of course, mm-hmm. the game this year is in Tuscaloosa. What do you make about that sort of next level of competition in the SEC just underneath Georgia? How do you stack that up right now? Well, I think the th- there's a feeling – Alabama is more of a feeling pick than, a, than, a, than this, is, this is what's on the roster pick. Uh, Nick Saban, has, if you – Spoken to him, he he's got his guys in full lockdown revenge mode. Out of what after what happened to them last year, they were they were so close, and I I think that's got a whole lot to do with it. And hey, Brandon, it's Nick Saban. Yeah. Okay, it's Nick Saban. Nick Nick Saban has never gone since he's been in Alabama. He's never gone three years without winning a national championship. And there's just a gut fit. And, you know, look, we'll learn a lot about Alabama when they play Texas, okay? Uh, they're at home. They should probably win that game. But I think we'll learn a lot about Alabama. On paper, you'd pick LSU simply because of the, they've got a proven quarterback, which is a, a short commodity in this league. But it's going to be – he'll be interesting watching LSU play Florida State. Oh, yeah. We'll learn a lot there, too. Yeah, it's a weird scenario for Georgia fans, Tony, because I get the impression on our show, first three weeks of the season, obviously we'll be talking Georgia football, but my guess is we're going to be talking about you know LSU, Florida State, Alabama, Texas. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about those things from a Georgia standpoint almost more than we'll be talking about who Georgia is playing. And it's not Georgia's fault they try to play Oklahoma, we understand that. But the first three weeks of the season from a Georgia fan's standpoint – 
it's more interesting looking at who you think your top competition might be playing than it is looking at who Georgia's going to play. September's going to be really weird from that standpoint because a lot of these big national games are kind of front-loaded on the schedule. And by the time Georgia goes on the road to Auburn on September 30th, we're going to know a lot about kind of who's out there as a formidable threat to UGA potentially. Yeah, Georgia fans are going to be scoreboard watching. They yeah. want to know. They want to know what everybody else is doing, and that's that is the nature of the beast. Because you know, well, Georgia's going to play South Carolina, and that'll be that'll be an interesting game. I think we'll see how that, that turns out. But yeah, the Georgia's going to, fans are going to be watching what the people who could logically challenge them for the national championship. How are they doing? What what do I need to look out for there? So I want to finish with this. We're obviously, as you said, kind of in a period of change here for college football right now. And right now, the SEC is not as intensely involved in this, certainly as the Big Ten is. The weird stuff involving the ACC, flirting with Stanford and Cal, maybe now that's not going to happen. But either way, that's been a, a new story. There's been all these like crazy things that, going back decades ago, we never could have imagined. And for the most part, the SEC is able to sit all this kind of stuff out. But, Tony, I'm also of the belief that even though I believe Greg Sankey to be the best visionary for college athletics and obviously the SEC to be the best overall league, I do think this is a time in which the SEC needs to be careful. It needs to choose its moves wisely here. Look at the potential transition to a nine-game conference schedule, how that's going to take place debate discussion-wise over the course of the next year, how it keeps pace with the you know other you know kind of leagues and entities around college football that – you know, there's a lot that's sort of up for grabs right now in the future in terms of how these games are going to be televised and how we're going to decide championships and things like that. Like all of that is really, really uncertain. Like what can right. you say for sure in terms of what the next couple of years might look like for the SEC and kind of what the SEC sort of wants it to look like? Well, I thought the commissioner said it best uh, when he was on with Paul Feinbaum the other day. And, and, and if you read closely between the lines, he basically said, hey, we're in good shape, and we're in better shape than most because we don't need to go chasing teams, okay? We don't we don't really need to add any more teams because when our television contracts kick in, when they get to about year four or year five, we're going to be doing really well. So that that was number one. I think basically they told Florida State, you know, uh, sorry, Bubba, yeah. it, ain't, it ain't happening. Uh, the uh, To me, the next big decision the SEC's got to make is whether or not to go from eight to nine conference games. Uh, we had a big debate down about it down in uh, spring meetings down at Destin. Uh, I thought they were going to go to nine. They stayed at eight. I completely understand now why they stayed at eight. But in the future, my, my big deal is that uh, I don't want to lose uh, a rival, a yearly rivalry like Georgia-Auburn. Right. And if you stick if you stick with an eight game conference schedule, then Georgia Auburn they'll play every other year. They just won't play every year, and I'm I am not real thrilled about that. And so I I think that's one reason to go to nine. I think more SEC games is a reason to go nine. And with a twelve team playoff, you can certainly afford another loss than than you could before. So uh, that to me that would be an interesting debate. And also it, it's a financial negotiation situation. You know, that's that, right. ESPN goes, we really like nine conference games. And the SEC will go, well, fine, we can do that for you, but we're going to renegotiate our deal. And the, and the SEC has, because they decided to stick with eight, SEC has a lot of leverage when those negotiations come up. 
know, I think that's exactly right. I think that's an important consideration in all of this. They shouldn't be giving inventory away for free, which is what, nope. you know, expanding to a nine-game schedule would potentially be if you don't get some sort of compensation for that. It's great stuff, Tony. It's why we love having you on the show. Uh, obviously, I know you're like the rest of us excited about the upcoming season here. So enjoy that. We'll be following everything you got going on very closely and look forward to having you back on the show again very soon, too. All right, Brandon, always good to visit with you. Thank you so much. Tony Barnhart right there, Mr. College Football. Love having him as a part of what we do here each and every time we can have him as a part of uh, Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Also, a couple of things to remind you about before we wrap up our program here today. First of all, if you go to dognation.com, up there near the top of the page, there's a tab that you can click on. It's called Contest. You can see it clicking there. And when you get in there, there's a season predictions contest you can participate, be a part of, make some predictions for the upcoming season. This is a really fun. Uh, I think we can show this off to you here a little bit. Really fun stuff for the uh, season predictions opportunity there at uh, dognation.com. You can see some of that. Have a good time. And just really have a chance to uh, – to, to, to win there that's ongoing right now all the way through September 1st there on that make your season predictions uh, be a potentially a big winner if you got some of your predictions come true just go to dognation.com up there near the top there is a tab you can click into you can enter to win there on that season predictions for the upcoming season right there at dognation.com and speaking of having some fun we love doing that with you on Thursday nights there as well tonight it returns the dog nation happy hour presented by Marlowe's Tavern and by the way we got some big news coming involving Dog Nation and Marlowe's Tavern in the next couple of days. I can tell you more about that. I don't believe I'm supposed to tell you yet, but I can tell you about that in a couple of days. Dog Nation and Marlowe's Tavern getting back together in a very big way, as we typically do before the season begins. So we'll tell you more about that. But for tonight, just know this, Dog Nation Happy Hour back on the scene. Uh, 7 p.m. Dog Nation video channels. Kaylee Manziel hosting that. I'm lucky enough to be back a part of that again tonight. And we'll welcome Connor Riley in today, too. And along with your phone calls, too, because you're a big part of all this there as well. So your phone calls, not phone, but Zoom. You'll click the Zoom link. You'll be a part of the show. Connor will be there. I'll be there. Kaylee Manziel will be there. We'll be kind of relax and have a good time and talk some Georgia football with you there tonight. So go to dognation.com, enter your uh, season predictions, have a chance to be a winner there, and we'll see you tonight. Dog Nation Happy Hour presented by Marlowe's Tavern. That is what's on tap for this evening. We'll see you there for that. And, of course, as we wrap up here today, we will do so with a golden shoe, and we'll give one today to our longtime friend Miriam Corbin, who had uh, some very funny stuff as it relates to uh, – some of the language we sometimes use and it's kind of funny i saw this from miriam and i was going to do another golden shoe and i was like well i've got to edit this before i put it on the air because we try to keep a family friendly show you know uh listen there's nothing wrong with you know edgy content things like that i don't i don't believe i'm quite cool enough to be edgy so typically we try to keep it sort of family friendly around here uh and miriam corbin shows this funny meme of uh, i guess this is saint peter at the gates of heaven saying you almost made it except for the language you use during football season. And some of us know exactly what that's all about. Miriam Corbin sharing this with me to say, B.A., we are in trouble. Yeah, Miriam, sometimes I guess we probably are. Very funny golden shoe going your way there for that. Lousy, stinking Gators, they've got reason to curse, and it gets even worse for them 79 days from right now. That is our Gator Hater Countdown, and we'll see all of you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to talking to you then.